Hello, and welcome to the Alchemist Inkwell. This is your spiritual podcast for grounded people. I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal Lynn. And this week, we're actually going to be talking about some pretty grounded topics um, because the world has so many options right now for modalities and healing techniques and spiritual skills and all of these, all of these things. And they've, they've started in places, some of them in really great integrity places and others of them, maybe not as much. And it's really hard to tell these days, like which one is reliable, which one is worth investing your time and your energy and your faith into. So you want to talk about that today. Absolutely. Um, I do want to apologize too, if I sound all nasally, I am feeling slightly under the weather, but in manifestation ways, I am fully healthy by tomorrow morning. I have decided. So I do the same thing. You get that's where we're at. Um, that's where we're at. So just uh, apology in advance for that. I do really quick, um, because my guides just like threw it at me very heavily and -hmm. it's not exactly what we're going to start by talking about, but because they just chucked it at me, I feel like it's worth noting. Um, there is so many environmental and world-based things that have happened in the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. big time. I'm interested if there's specific transits you've noted for either the earthquakes or this chemical spills or all of the different things, or if you just want to touch on the like energy you're seeing from it. Cause I, I mean, I of course can touch on the energy I'm seeing yeah. from it, but like, it's been a lot. And I think people are getting a little overwhelmed with that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I wish that I had prepared notes for this. Thanks, Emily's guides. Um, I know. But I, I was I, like, whoa, man, like we, we did not talk about this. My guys yeah. like, yeah, too bad you're talking about it now. That's, so that's fine. Um, I'm going to also like, as I'm talking to make sure I cover all my bases, there are a couple things I have in mind, but I want to make sure I pull up uh, my little list to be sure that I cover anything else that's worth noting. Um, so the one thing that I've noticed on more personal levels, uh, the the fact that people are getting a little testy with each other over certain ideals and certain, especially in the spiritual community. Um, like we mentioned mm-hmm. before, there was a big uh, conversation that was started in the astrology community recently. Yes, I'm aware of it. Yes, I have like, I've watched the long videos that were involved. I have completed them to make sure that I get my own research done, which is very relevant to what we're talking about um, with with stuff today. Like you want to make sure you're watching and you're doing your own research because a lot gets taken out of concept context super mm-hmm. quickly. And it's really frustrating when someone tries to make a point and then someone takes it out of context. And then that is what gets the attention and catches yeah. the wind, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's always important to go back to the source as, as much as you can to be able to understand what is going on and like what's actually happening in a situation that is associated to me a little bit. I noticed it happened on the Mars square Venus day and Mars is in Gemini. So, uh, bad mouthing might be something that you could say, or in intrusive words or arguments, could have come up yeah. with a square with Venus, certain relationships may have come into conflict. Venus being exalted would be something about the ideals or confusion around certain things. And again, something being inflated because someone got passionate about it, took it out of context, and then it just blew up on social media. So the conversation, which wasn't, um, which wasn't maybe the most rational feeling to begin with, then mm-hmm. got taken out of context and started creating conflicts with people and their relationships in a um, in a way that sort of dissolves boundaries and, and makes you in a healthy way would make you say, okay, what do I actually feel about this? You know, 
balloons in the air. What do I believe about this? Because another thing that came up around it is conspiracy theories. And one thing that I recognized myself saying the other day was, you know, a couple of years ago, we were laughing at people with conspiracy theories. These days, I don't know if what I'm believing is a conspiracy theory or if what I'm seeing is, is someone else's conspiracy theory. And so it's just so confusing to even try to access information in a quality way. Um, that to me might've been another situation of the, um, the Mars and Venus situation, uh, the square. And I finally got my list back here on the 16th. We also had Saturn conjunct or the sun conjunct Saturn in Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So it was very much a, Hey, this is a moment. This is the last time the sun will conjoin Saturn in Aquarius and in one of Saturn's domiciles. So we're getting Saturn making the last stand, so to speak about like what has been the theme for Saturn in Aquarius. And even a little bit of what Saturn in Capricorn would have been because it's Saturn in domicile. So Saturn is structures and Saturn in Aquarius is societal structures. We can think of that. It's air, it's uh, fixed. So it's ideas that don't want to change and the sun bringing light to that and saying, Hey, what are you going to say about these things? I noticed that Saturn in Pisces seems to be creeping in into the energy a little bit mm -hmm. early. Um, the sun has now moved on as of the 18th, the sun moved into Pisces as well. But it's just interesting to see. And I think maybe Venus has been our little prelude singing the song before we get there kind of thing. But Saturn in Pisces is going to be something where we're trying to put shapes in the shapeless. And one of the comparisons is like, how do you put shape in water? Pisces, the ocean, Saturn shape. And I started thinking about uh, the ship of Theseus, mm. which is a ship in a museum somewhere that has been remodeled, not remodeled, but refurbished so many times to preserve it, that not a single plank is original anymore. And so people say, is it still the ship of Theseus if none of this wood was the wood that was in the boat when Theseus stood on it? And I think we're gonna be coming into a lot of that as well. Like what traditions are still traditions or how have they evolved and how do we make space for things to evolve? Like, is it the ship of Theseus? How much do we care? And what's, what's the value of this still being a ship that floats but is it the way Theseus would have floated it? And so we're seeing a lot of that happening of this isn't the way it was done. And mm -hmm. we have to be able to make space for what's coming in. But at the same time, you don't want to lose wisdom that you can grow from. So how much traditional stuff gets to stay and how much room do you play with the recipe of things? Like another analogy was you have your grandmother's cookie recipe, but you keep substituting ingredients until eventually it's not your grandmother's cookie recipe. Still tastes good. Still a cookie, not your grandma's. Doesn't matter. And so I think that that's, you know, the Saturn uh, sun conjunction, big deal that was happening around the 16th as well. Um, Mercury squared Uranus on the 21st, which is tomorrow. So that's something we'll be talking about soon. But yeah, we also have um, yesterday Venus uh, forming a sextile with Pluto, which may have brought in some of that energy as well of the like, I want to say almost paranoia because Pluto's going to take things and warp them and make them seem really big. And Venus is in the be most beautiful way in La La Land, right? So them connecting with this opportunity to take things and see what you want from them to change your whole world um, does also make sense. So that's a little bit. Uh, the 15th, we also had Venus conjunct Neptune, which is very much more along the lines of delusions. Yeah, I think that's yeah, all. Yeah, I think... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff, especially environmental stuff that's happening, I think it's very driven, um, even though it doesn't seem driven by Earth. I feel like there's a lot of driven by Earth energy mm-hmm. coming up. Of course, the earthquakes, that sort of thing, obviously driven by Earth, <laughs> where that comes yeah. from. I'm not saying that that is something that, I mean, my heart goes out to everyone involved in that. That's horrible and awful, mm-hmm. but it is a very driven by Earth thing. But it's specifically what's going on in our neck of the woods our country is so many different chemical spills in a very very short period of time obviously the east palestine one is like the biggest one that's noted but there was one in arizona there was another one was it north texas i forget somewhere else um but a bunch of that stuff has have happened really really quickly and when i looked into it because again whenever something happens it's seemingly random my first instinct is oh what do my guides have to say about this one? Mm-hmm. And like I immediately channel in. And the first thing that I heard is very much like, oh, this is the earth finally putting the attention back on her, like mm-hmm. that sort of energy. And it's very driven um, by earth stuff to try to get our priorities in order. Basically, it's one of those like almost last stitch, like, hey, guess what? You actually have to pay attention. Yeah. Um, energies that's coming up. And see, I actually, I'm looking at the day that those earthquakes happened, which was February 9th, according to a quick Google search and articles, February yeah. 8th, we had, I usually look at Uranus for things like earthquakes and like mm-hmm. very big natural movements, especially Uranus and Taurus as he is, mm-hmm. um, as they are, um, Venus right now who rules Uranus formed a sextile aspect from Pisces. So Venus exalted looks at Uranus and says, yeah, you're not so bad. Hang out in my house for a while. Right. Um, mm-hmm. for once. And so this creates an opportunity between a benefic and a planet that is so transpersonal. It's something that's moving the whole world. You know, it's moving collective. And so to me, that's typically a more positive aspect. Yes, it was easier for the plates of the earth to shift. So that's one way you could see it. But also to your point, it's something that brought the attention back onto the, would you start respecting nature, please? Because she can pitch a foot if she needs to. Mm -hmm. Um, Then the very next day, we did have Mercury conjunct Pluto, which shows a bit of a disaster to to people and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I just, my guides bugged me about it. So I figured we should talk about it because it is Mm -hmm. something we haven't really addressed as of yet on the podcast. And it's been so many things that have come up that it was something worth, worth discussing, I think, as far as the energetic elements of it goes. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. And the thing was, as all of it was happening, here's a a problem I'm coming into as an astrologer, because I follow the news so that I can recognize what transits are showing up as what, but there is this thing that a lot of us are noticing where we're desensitized. (laughs) We're so desensitized. So I'm listening to the news and it's not even standing out anymore. Sometimes of like, Oh, that's probably a transit. It's just another thing. And that comes back to our whole thing of how reliable are our sources of information moving into Saturn and Pisces, which I think is going to be another thing that we're looking into. Who do you trust? Who do you learn from? Yeah. Um, And that really does actually bring us beautifully and gracefully back into what we want to talk about today. Yeah. So our patrons are amazing patrons, which we did get a couple of new ones very recently. So hello, new patrons. Hey guys. Um, (laughs) We are excited to have you there. Um, But our amazing patrons voted on this episode topic and it's basically what makes a strong or good, basically energetic or healing metaphysical spiritual modality. Mm -hmm. Um, And what are some of the 
qualifications, at least in our experience, that makes it um, something that is good for you to throw your energy at and really Mm -hmm. dive into. Um, And if you do feel aligned with something, what are some things you should pay attention of or be aware of about said healing modality or, you know, spiritual modality as you put your energy towards it? Yeah. And honestly, that's a really brilliant point to make sure we keep in mind because you can throw your energy at something that's awesome but you're still going to need to continuously evolve your understanding because that is going to keep growing more and more people are going to keep adding information to it. You might discover more ancient things that are going to inform certain things and you have to incorporate them. Like information is always going to be transforming and evolving. And you, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're really into it, you may, it may behoove you to keep up to date with that. Like with what was going on with astrology last week yeah, or the week before at this point where now all of us are suddenly saying, Hey, someone's pointing this out. Here's their, the receipts. How reliable are the receipts? And what does mm-hmm. this other person have to say from the other side? And then when you've done all that, what's my thought on it? Where do yeah. I stand? And doing your research is always going to be a good idea to whatever capacity you feel led. And I think this is especially important in the spiritual community because there is so many, um, especially in very modern spirituality senses and new age spirituality senses, there are so many different modalities that actually kind of lead to the cult zone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's actually a really quick pipeline, especially for oh, yeah. people that are in maybe in spiritual psychosis, um, anything like that. They take very vulnerable people and um, I won't speak her name, but there's a documentary about her. I'm just going to put it that way. <laughs> um, it, I have big feelings about the aqua colored bird um is all I'm gonna say (laughs) (laughs) that's really well done thank you Uh, yes so like the aqua colored bird lots of people felt very comfortable in that space turns out that wasn't a very healthy space I have stories about our energy interaction that I I yeah, big feelings on that. Mm-hmm. Really was stoked when the documentary came out to be like, finally, the aquacolored bird's getting cut out, called out. Um, but seriously, there's there's so many different things like that in spirituality. So we thought it was very, very important to talk about those things of like, hey, what makes something like a strong and healthy modality versus one where maybe you want to take some of the ideals and make them your own, but maybe you shouldn't follow that modality so intensely because it, it might not be the healthiest um, for you. Mm-hmm. And I know we have a couple examples. Obviously, my first one was like the aqua colored bird. Um, any of her teachings, um, some of them are valid and wonderful. I do not in any way recommend following all of her teachings. Mm-hmm. Don't, please. Um, to, we had risk of talking about it more, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, and you can have something that's like rooted and has lineage and all this stuff, and maybe the modality itself is good, but you got to be careful about your teachers. Yes. In my personal experience, you know, there's, there's a lot of options for mystery schools out there um, that really just help you explore, you know, the mysteries, capital M, which can Mm -hmm. mean a lot of things to different people. And I've been part of and moved in several of them. Some of them I preferred. And then there was one where in the sort of initiatory process, you're, you go through actual classes, like you learn about sacred geometry and you learn about um, ancient um, like Atlanteans, Lemurians and all those things. And like a little bit more yeah. about them. And I the love that. Yeah. And it was yeah. super cool. Cause I was like, yay, look at all the information I'm getting. I love learning. This is fantastic. But then when I had questions, I heard the, well, you're not there yet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if you want me to keep going with you, 
I need to know that when I get there, it's worth getting there. So they lost me. Yeah. I dropped that day and I was like, if you are going to basically gatekeep me without giving me at least something to say, I know this won't make sense yet. So we're not going to give you all of it, but here's what we can tell you to like help out. Like, yeah. If I have a big complex astrology thing that I want to share with someone, and I know they have no idea what circumambulations and distributions are, I can still explain it enough so that when they get to it, they'll feel at least familiar instead of like they're walking into a room where everybody knows them and they know nothing. I don't like that feeling. And I think a lot of millennials, Gen Zs and stuff like that, these generations are in the place of, we want to learn, but we don't want to feel like you're stepping on us while we're learning. Yeah. I feel like that is a huge, wonderful point to bring up. Any modality that has a hierarchy that requires you to do a certain amount of things before you can move up in said hierarchy, just be wary of, just be Mm -hmm. wary of, because it's not a very solid modality if the hierarchy is its foundational thing and you need to have, it's it's a little pyramid schemey. Even -hmm. if they're not trying to get you to sell anything, it's that gatekeeping level of like, well, until you get to this tier, you don't get to know these things. And that is not... um, it's not sustainable and it's not necessarily healthy for your energetic growth. Yeah. And I will say, you know, coming from astrology, which is a rooted tradition, right? Most of astrology books, many magic books will say, you know, keep this out of the hands of the uninitiated, but that's not, not initiated as in you sliced your hand and, and swore in blood. It's more initiated as in you've learned enough to be able to understand what we're saying. Like you speak the language. So keep this out of someone's hands because they don't speak the language and they're going to like hurt somebody. I was mentioning to you earlier about um, talismanic elections that are done in ways on occasion by people who aren't really crossing all their T's or dotting all their I's and it can cause damage because you're bringing in these energies. It's like a Ouija board, right? Like if you come to a Ouija board, because it's just a board game with a a thing, it comes from deeper roots. And I totally understand and acknowledge that I'm going to cover this in a second. But these days it's a board game presentation, which lets people think, oh, it's just that easy. If you come to it with an intention and something Mm -hmm. deliberate to connect with, it becomes a divination. And that's fantastic. It's a great tool for connecting with people. It's just like a pen, right? A pen Mm -hmm. is not going to do a whole lot when you don't know what you want to write with it. But when you do, you get it. If you come to it without, without, hang on, if you come to it without intention, you're inviting literally anybody who wants to talk. This is like chat Mm -hmm. roulette, but with stuff that can come and hang out and you can't see them to make them go away. Well, so yes, completely. So like I describe Ouija board as a magnet. So it's not like it's, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just Mm -hmm. a magnet. And if you're not like, I only want you to magnetize this particular frequency or this particular person, Mm -hmm. then it's just going to be like, oh, I'm just an open fucking magnet. And anything in any vicinity is going to be like, and just get pulled towards it which is where people get freaked out by it. Also, half the time, nothing evil, nothing dark, nothing demented, nothing mm-hmm. scary is coming to it. You just are getting the response you're asking for and then you're freaked out that you got the response you were asking for. Yeah. That is most often what happens with Ouija boards and why people get freaked out is because they ask for things to come and then something shows up and they're like, oh my God, that was horrible and so scary. And it's like, well, you asked for it. Like you <laughs> asked for the thing to come in. So again, yeah, not an inherent negative thing it's just something that if you're not using it with intention it can be really detrimental and very scary Mm -hmm. and the more you do your research on the history of it and where it came from and all those things the less scary it's going to seem and the more you know how to use it yeah absolutely tarot Tarot is so similar right yeah such a beautiful tool but Mm -hmm. some people are just not 
knowing how to use it really well. And it's, and so that not only does that not serve them, but then everybody they're sharing with is not getting yeah. the depth of information that would help them feel like they can trust it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And that also goes for like numerology and those sorts of Astrology, things as well. Astrology, for sure. Yeah. Um, what, and again, just to kind of circling back to the point about like making sure you're having the right teachers as well. I think about this a lot with um, Reiki because mm -hmm. Reiki I came, I know, Reiki came over as one modality and that is not even remotely what Reiki is now. It has been no. morphed and morphed and morphed and morphed and morphed. Kind and of so like you yoga. really, it's kind of like yoga. Um, one, another thing on yoga, um, Kundalini yoga. If you've mm -hmm. ever practiced Kundalini yoga, um, Kundalini yoga actually comes from a cult. Um, Yogi, Yogi Bashan was like the leader of this cult and they wore white and they did yoga, this yoga for tons of times, blah, 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 blah. It was really awful. They are the Yogi brand tea. That's actually also mm. from them. Um, fun fact, it's cult mm -hmm. tea. Um, they sold it a while ago, so it's no longer cult tea, but it was, that's where it started. Um, a bunch of teas actually are based in cults. If you've ever done any research on the different brands of teas, there's like oh. four or five of them, which is really unfortunate. It makes a lot of um, sense though, knowing what tea is, a gathering of herbs for specific intentions, like they're right? charm bags and you drink yeah. them. Yes. Lots of them are rooted in very not great cults. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, it's really, really sad. But anyway, it's not yogi anymore, but it was, it was connected to this cult at one point. I love Kundalini yoga. It's super duper powerful. I definitely don't practice the original style of it that came over with Yogi Bashan and all of that sort of stuff. Because again, you got to pay attention to your teachers mm -hmm. um, and pay attention to your intention and what you're doing with it. And like that goes for any type of yoga as well yeah. um, or any type of, you know, healing stuff in that space, Literally, but especially Reiki. Anything. Yeah. It's like, where yeah, are Reiki's, you getting your information? Yeah. Reiki. If you feel drawn to Reiki, by all means, go for it. But really, really, really pay attention to who you want to teach you. And I recommend going up a couple levels, like literally like go doing your Reiki one. Awesome. And then you have a different teacher for Reiki two and different, like if you're going all the way up to be a Reiki master, mm -hmm. make sure you're having a different person teach you um, every step of the way. Not because that teacher you pick is going to be a bad teacher, but that way you're getting a more holistic approach to the actual modality because it has been so warped mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Um, that being yeah. said, <laughs> um, that's also part of the reason that I left Theta Healing behind is not because of the warp, but because it was anti-warp. <laughs> that's a different issue. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I deeply believe in Theta Healing. I know you and I are both certified in that as well. Um, theta Healing is amazing. However, that also ended up having a little bit of a I'm yeah. sure of teacher, I guess is how I'm going to put it. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe in the person that Theta Healing was channeled through. And so mm -hmm. I left that side of that. Yeah. Yeah. I still use the technique. I've adapted it to my own style, yeah. which I think is totally fair. Because again, you understand what it does. Just like with mm -hmm. music, you can play mm -hmm. it exactly the way the original composer did it. And then you can add some flair, but it's still there. You like, you're still sharing the feeling of the, the composition or you're adapting it in a knowledgeable way, which is great. That's yes. another um, Theseus conundrum to me. Like if you stylize it, it's still the song. It may not be the composer's version of the song, but you still respect the composer. And like, maybe music gives us a really great starting point for how to, to make this transition. And that's so on point for Pisces, of course. Yes. Um, 
So thinking about composers and music and stylizing it and things is mm-hmm. probably another thing we'll be exploring over the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you Absolutely. know, when it comes to Reiki, that was the first energy modality I dove into. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I got into energy healing right before my surgery when I was 10. Knew I could feel energy, started messing around with it on my own. Didn't like the fact that while I was doing that, I accidentally made my dog throw up. So, cause I was moving the energy and I was 10. Poor Bailey. So yeah, no, it was Buster at the time. Oh, um, <laughs> poor Buster. Yeah. So I was, you know, poor Buster. And so I was like, okay, I need to take responsibility for this. And I have so much earth in my chart that yes, I was the 11 year old who was like, I need to take responsibility for this. Um, so I found Reiki cause it was being offered at a local community college. I sat there and a lot of it was validating, helped me believe yeah. that what I was going through was real for sure. But it all just felt funky as far as like the, yeah. the, the ritual of it at the time. Um, later, many years later, I was like, you know, if I'm going to use any of this, I should complete it. So I went to different teachers, like you said, and mm-hmm. understood a lot better. Yeah. Probably also because I was a little bit older, you know, yeah. the age and experience are initiatory in and of themselves. Um, matters. Yeah. And I still didn't feel like I connected with it perfectly. So that meant there was nothing wrong with Reiki, but it wasn't something that I fit with very well. You know, it didn't feel like home. When I got around to um, integrated energy therapy, I started working with angels and that really helped my, uh, my mediumship at the time because it broadened my horizons as to like letting symbols through and things like that. And it was a lot more like structured, which helped me. Mm -hmm. So integrated energy therapy, Again, be a little bit careful because the original sources of it are very much into their ideologies around it. However, the techniques are useful. They work and you can do with them what works for you, especially when you start developing your own relationship with the angels or the energies that you're working with using it. Um, I really love the different understanding the different energy sources and places on the body and being able to pull and that kind of stuff. It's basically theta healing, but with your hands and pulling beliefs from places on the body yeah. instead of just, you know, using theta healing in a sort of, what would you say that subatomic level? I think. Yeah, I guess so. An ener- like a subconscious energetic yeah. sort of space. It's, it's described in the books as getting into the space where like an atom blips out of existence and before it comes mm-hmm. back in and you're just rewriting the script when you get in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And I, I think to answer the question, like what makes a strong healing modality, it's one where you can trace its roots mm-hmm. <laughs> and that allows for you to customize it to your needs. And I yeah. think those are the two important like qualification qualifying factors that you should pay attention to when you're thinking about like what makes a strong metaphysical or spiritual modality. It's something that allows for you to use it the way you need to, and you have freedom to do that. And also you can trace its roots and those roots are stable and you feel aligned with said roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and also ones that you try out and it actually works for you. Yeah. I think there's a lot of modalities out there and I'm going to use air quotes a little bit around the word modality when I'm talking about it in this specific sense where people are like, just do this, this, and this, and that'll work. And then everyone's like, very few people actually have that work for them. And then there's a lot of gaslighting and stuff that comes up as well in that space. And that is also not necessarily aligned. And that doesn't necessarily make a very strong modality if it's only something a few people can use to any sort of effect. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is important. And I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about um, human design in this aspect, because 
human design has a lot of really powerful elements. And I know a lot of people find a lot of validity in it. And I'm not trying to deny or detract from any of the modalities we've talked about. Like if they're working for you, by all means, rock on, go for it. Like if it's working for you, that's, that's amazing. That is a strong Mm -hmm. modality for you. Um, But in the notion of this being a traceable and um, grounded modality, human design doesn't really fit that bill. And a lot of times it creates more limiting beliefs than it does Mm -hmm. um, actual like validation for people, which is something I have run into many a time with people who are, who are diving into human design. They're like, well, I'm a projector. I can't do that. And it's like, well, hold on. That's a way of understanding how your energy naturally flows, but that is not something that's supposed to be limiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of another one of those. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of formulaic stuff with human design. Um, and I appreciate that. But as far as if you do any sort of research on how it came about, it is very untraceable down to the, like, the guys like these beings handed it to me and you ask what beings handed it to you. And there is no answer. It's yeah. just beings. And that's in the, okay. So full disclosure, I got certified in at least the first level of human design, because the way I pursue something is I'm going to learn it from the source. So I went to the place I've actually been through two sources of human design, one from the like original source place that came from Ra Uruhu. Um, and then another that's branched off of it because it wasn't mm-hmm. really aligning with that original one. Um, I find that I, you know, as someone who really loved astrology, when I saw they were, they wanted to combine astrology with the I Ching with all this other stuff. I was like, Oh, cool. This is great. It's a holistic thing. Like it's incorporating everything. There's a universal Mm -hmm. truth kind of thing here. Let me learn this. And then maybe I can incorporate it into my practice. And as I'm sitting there reading the textbook Mm -hmm. and looking for the history, like my favorite thing, when I first started learning astrology, which I started which may be or may not be uh, a good idea for everybody. I started with Helen's astrology course from Chris Brennan, start, starting with his book, which is like a textbook, um, the Hellenist, Hellenistic Astrology, the Study of fate and, fate and Fortune, which has the histories and the philosophies and different perspectives listed out. And mm-hmm. back in 2015, 2016, when I was going through the course, that meant a lot to me because it was, do I trust this? which philosophy do I align with and all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I got multiple perspectives to mull over as I went into the techniques, which is great in the human design course. You start out by receiving a reading from one of the people, which was really neat. I thought that was cool. Like you see how it's done. You get to receive Mm -hmm. the reading and then you get to learn how it works. So nifty, but they kept saying things to me that made me feel like I was going to die early. That made me feel like I was going to be useless until I was 60. Um, Something about the Chiron return is very influential in my personal um, profile, according to human Mm -hmm. design, but like Chiron as much as I love Chiron, I have a personal relationship with Chiron very deeply that even other traditional astrologers are like, yeah, you and Chiron, we buy it. Um, I don't know that I can speak to that validity just yet. Cause we need more research, even in astrology for Chiron. Chiron doesn't have, um, as much history to it as say the seven original planets kind of thing. Um, I am a traditional thinker, so I, I get that, but I do incorporate the transpersonal planets and all those things. And I do incorporate Chiron. Anybody who's yeah. my talks on storytelling definitely knows. With this one, I'm reading the book to prepare for the first course. And the history is Rod downloaded it in Ibiza over like a week and yeah. just came out and was like, this is how it works. 
And I'm willing to hold on to that for a second if it does work, right? But also so much of it is drawn from astrology that yeah, at least some of it's going to work because Mm -hmm. you're taking astrology and putting it into this thing. You're taking I Ching and putting it into this thing. So yeah, those things, which separately we know work and have value are here enough to make it convincing for sure. But then when you put it, put together those profiles, it becomes a little bit more to me, the way we're coming to understand Mm Myers-Briggs and Myers-Briggs is handy, but in a sense, can't cover the whole range of human experience, can't cover the whole potential of things. So when people come to me, which if you look in the history of Myers-Briggs too, dodgy, just a little dodgy, (laughs) just a bit. Um, so for me, when people say, do you do human design? My response is always, I understand human design. I strongly prefer astrology. You're going to find out everything human design could have told you. And then we can nuance it specifically to you. And I know that there are ways using the channels and the gates and all those things in human design as well, but they just still feel so, um, so pointed. And like, I don't feel like you can blow it just yet. And again, this only came around in like, I think it was the eighties or the seventies, maybe the seventies. I, I have my book behind me. I can always I look it up. The, I think it's the early eighties actually. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed, well, yes, it was. Cause it was supposed mm-hmm. to be during this astrological alignment that didn't happen at that time. Cause I also looked it up and they were like, oh yeah, the, um, oh, I forget. It wasn't a grand conjunction. It was supposed to be this really cool alignment that even astrologers are like, yeah, it would have been really cool if it actually happened that way. Um, but it didn't. So that's, you know, another thing that, that kind of, and it didn't happen on the dates that the book claims it does. So I was just like, you guys could have made this even more convincing had you done a little bit of research. So maybe it was channeled because they don't have the actual data. Correct. Um, and so that that's a point for the channeled thing, but also I just, I think that we can do more with a technique that's been more researched. And I'm saying that for eaching and for astrology and for all the other things that are drawn into it. Um, mm-hmm. since we've only had 50 years, not even to discuss this, I think that there's more research needed for sure, especially when there's not enough, um, data to show where it came from. And I also yeah. really quickly, I know I've been doing a lot of talking. I know also that some astrology source texts like Valens even will say, well, we were inspired and this is how we got this. Yes, it does. But astrology comes from observation. So we have at least some of like, we know the sun culminates at this time. We know that this stuff happens. So we use that. But also if someone was inspired, we have, uh, Valens just had his like 1096th birthday. So we celebrated it. Um, but we have 1000 years of testing this. And of other people testing it and evolving it and like moving it forward. And then it growing into Persian medieval and Renaissance astrology. And then what we are coming towards now and returning to. So we have enough time and experience to help us initiate that process of, yeah, we know it works because we've been able to play with it. Or yeah, we know that this is at least the groundwork and we can play with it. Well, on a very personal level, and again, I teach a lot of like how to awaken your psychic abilities and things like mm-hmm. that, but I never teach it as a modality. And there's a reason for that is because I will teach techniques that I have had proven to work by more than just me, proven through other people, proven for myself, proven for, you know, my friends, whatever it is like, hey, my guides gave me this. I tried it out. It worked great for me. Does it work for you? And mm-hmm. then we go from there. And that's, I do not teach it until it's been 
tested multiple times. And at the root of it, though, it's always like, hey, this is how to find your natural way of doing things because it needs to be focused on your natural way of doing it and how you're Mm going to do it yourself. So it's like techniques to open doors, but not techniques to like build a house. Yeah. That's usually what I'm focusing on for that reason is, hey, this needs to be something you're discovering for yourself. Mm-hmm. big time and how you can make it work for yourself because I'm a deep believer in that. And mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly, incredibly important. A lot of times modalities will apply so many rules to what you can and cannot do and how you can and cannot do this. And what you, if this is how you are, you have to be like this forever. Like there's a lot of that. And I just highly encourage anyone, though that might make a strong modality for a lot of people because they have a strict rule set to sit inside and follow. And if you're a rule following person, that might really vibe with you and rock on. That's awesome. Um, but anytime someone's like, these are the rules you have to follow, I just pause and see if they actually align. Um, mm-hmm. Just see if they actually align. And if they do, awesome. If they don't, awesome. Well, um, and you anybody, don't have to follow them. <laughs> anybody who gives you a set of rules should also explain to you why. Yeah. That is like, my first question is we have these rules to follow. Cool. Why? And if it's a good enough, why then I'll try it out. Um, Mm -hmm. but you have to make sure that you know why to me, the difference between like, let's say a cult to go back to the Yogi tea, right. They say, Oh, just trust me. Yeah. But I should I'm God. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just, I don't think that it should be a just trust me. It should be Mm -hmm. this and you can trust me. Like it's that and versus but situation that we talk about with our clients all the time, where it's not this, but just trust me. It's trust me. And here's the information you're looking for. If you're not hiding something, the information mm-hmm. should be there and you should be able to provide it. And yeah. it should feel comfortable doing that. If you feel uncomfortable sharing it, then you have to really check in with yourself and say, why am I uncomfortable sharing this? What's out of alignment here? Why does it feel like deception rather than education? Absolutely. I fully agree. So anyway, that's just us wanting to like define <laughs> that for you yeah. guys. I'm just like going to throw that in um, because it's super important, especially when so much new stuff is coming out um, in this day and age on the internet and this modality of this, and then there's hypnotism or past life regression or whatever. Yeah. Just know there's a million different ways to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be your way of doing that one thing. And you have the capability of doing whatever those things are that you desire. Mm-hmm. You are totally able to do so. Um, you totally can do that easily. It's just a matter of you figuring out the way that works best for you. So mm-hmm. experience all those different modalities, lean into them, do research about them, exp- you know, get a reading by them, whatever yeah. feels good. But the second it doesn't feel aligned, know that it doesn't have to be aligned and you don't have to shove yourself into that box mm-hmm. in order for it to be effective and functional for you. Yeah. And the same thing, it's, this is an art, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're singing, you're looking for your own voice. If you're writing, you're looking for your tone and your author's tone. If you're drawing, you're looking for your art style. You get to do that. And all of these things, by the way, in my mind are magic as well. So it makes tons of sense that if there are 8 billion people in the world, there are 8 billion ways to connect to the divine and to enact whatever form of modality, healing, whatever you're trying to do in the world, because you are here not to be somebody else, but to do things the way you were designed to express them. And you can find ways to validate that through multiple sources, including Tarot, including astrology, including Mm -hmm. human design, if that works for you, including uh, like literally everything. And one of the ways that I found is best is to do it yourself. And then if a modality emerges that aligns with what you already believe and what you feel, 
pursue it, see how it goes. And then learn from there. Let that be a good starting point for you because you're starting with you as the source and then letting ancient techniques or letting education find you and validate, yep, your intuition's right. We've already done some thinking about this. Why don't you let us expand that with you? I do love, um, you know, me with my channel of history and everything. I like going as far back as humanly possible and like reading how the ancients did it. (laughs) And like, what did they believe and how did they cast lots? And like, we don't have a ton of documentation on that, which is why I'm so passionate about channeled history in the first place, Mm -hmm. because it's like, I have a gap in information. I'm like, cool, I'm going to find someone and I'm going to talk to them in history. Like I'm going to channel them in mediumship style and be like, how did this work? And then I'll go off of that. And I'm not going to say that's concretely the way it worked for everyone, but for this one person I talked to, they gave it to me and then it worked for me that way. Mm -hmm. So that's like the other reason. If you notice that we go like way ancient, it's because of that. (laughs) Yeah. And like for reference, for anybody who's watching, if you've ever seen my bookcases, the shelf behind me is entirely ancient sources. And I'm proud of it. <laughs> I've read most you. of those. That's just astrology. The other sources are on, on the other shelf because I don't have quite the volume of those. But I have like everything with sources because another thing you'll notice, like when I do a presentation or when we give talks, I like yeah. to cite my sources. There are a lot of quotes from people in my talks that I give, like the one I'll be giving mm-hmm. a convocation. There's quotes from... Um, Joseph Campbell about the hero's journey and a little bit of psychology from uh, the Odyssey is in there just really supporting what you believe with evidence, because then if someone questions you, you can say, Hey, I do believe this. And actually I know why, and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. So, you know, having your sources, having a reason why, whatever that is, however far back it goes is going to make the modality more useful to you. You can even be personal reason. Like yeah. I believe in this because this has showed up for me time it. and time and time yeah. again. That is valid as well. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be source text. It can be yeah. your experience as well um, or your friend's experience, or you just know it to be true. And that's okay yeah. too. But you yeah. just need to be able to have that for yourself and not because someone else tells you it's true and you haven't had that experience and you don't know why. Yeah. Sources are great for adding someone else's experience to your own experience. Yes. It gets a lot done. Yeah. It does. Absolutely. Cool. Um, on that note, Chris is going to be at convocation. Yeah. If you're going, <laughs> go check out their talk. <laughs> yeah. Friday at like two or two 30 at convocation, um, in Detroit, yeah. uh, Dearborn, I believe actually. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited yeah. for you. I'm excited too. I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, also really quick, just before we sign off, let's touch on this week's, uh, transits. Cause I know there's not a lot. Um, and we had the question from the patron, oh, yes. correct? We do. About, Cause that goes into yes. The transit we have as well. We have an amazing question from the patron who basically says, um, we talk a lot about Saturn return on the podcast, which obviously we do. Mm-hmm. How do you know when your Saturn return was slash is? So this is super duper easy. Look at your birth chart, look at mm-hmm. where Saturn is, the sign, and even the degree, but the sign is the first thing you're gonna look at. Um, and when Saturn is back there by transit, like in the sky right now. So if it's in Aquarius, you are finishing your Saturn return right now. You also are likely between the ages of 27 and 30 or so, because uh, that's how long it takes. It's about a 30 year cycle. So every 30 years or so, you're going to have a Saturn return. Um, so two ways, check it in your chart or just know around the age of 27 to 30. And then again, in the late fifties, you'll experience your Saturn return. It will get spiky when it's closer to your natal degree. Um, but a lot of us astrologers like to imagine or like to um, have noticed, I will say, um, and have, we have a lot of texts that say the same, the entire time Saturn is in that sign, that area of your life is being addressed. And it's 
personal to you because you're familiar with Saturn being there. So anybody who has experienced their Saturn return can probably attest to that. If you are anticipating your first Saturn return, especially just know it is a very constructive time of your life. It can be um, more constructive or less or more um, difficult or challenging, I guess, depending on the nature of your chart. I just want to add to that constructive thing. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like Legos, as in if you built, spent the first 27 years of your life building a really nice Lego doing. house, and then um, someone came through and kicked that Lego house down because you need to be able to be constructive and you're out of bricks, that's what it's going to feel like. So just mm -hmm. like warning in that space yeah. of it's and Legos, but if you're out of blocks because you built them into something else, that thing will get knocked down so you can yeah. actually be constructive. <laughs> and to go off of that, depending on the nature of your chart, you may accidentally step on a few Legos as you're trying to rebuild. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Mine is going out with a bang, by the way, I literally have three weeks left and it, this it's going out with a bang mm -hmm. <laughs> Just put it that way. Um, and my Saturn's in like my kid's house basically. Um, yeah. And it's been an adventure. It's been an adventure. <laughs> yeah. I am ready for it to stop, please. Well, so there is some, uh, some maybe something that would be a little bit helpful on March 2nd. I can't believe I'm already looking ahead to March here, but um, let me make sure that this is the first one that I want to look at. Yeah, so March 2nd is the big thing that I want to point out for astrology of the coming next 10 days or so. I'm not mathing on this very well, but it's uh, the Thursday, March 2nd. So I think it is the next one we'll be talking about. And that's the Venus conjunct Jupiter time. They're both in Aries, which Jupiter's mm -hmm. fine with. He's got triplicity there. Venus kind of hates being in Aries, but you know, that doesn't mean that Venus can't Venus. It just means that Venus is doing Venus in a very, um, warrior goddess kind of way. We'll put it that way. And so Venus relationships, passion, love, um, being impassioned about things and maybe some impulsive spending, uh, might go along with this. It's just mm -hmm. Venus not being as demure, but being more the like Xena. Think about Xena when we think Venus and Aries, that would help. And then joining up with Zeus <laughs> with Jupiter. Um, yeah. So things may come of this where you feel like you have a ton of confidence and you feel impulsive and you go for something. And because these two are benefits together, these are the two benefits. So I imagine it's going to turn out pretty well. I just um, empower anybody in a very Aryan way, um, Aries way. I empower anybody to check in with your gut instinct as you're making these moves and trust yourself and really feel into your, your, uh, kind of love and appreciation for who you are and what your body's capable of. Mm. I think that's going to be really helpful. Um, and noticing that we're probably going to see some stuff happening on a more headline society level at this time as well. So an abundance of energy, yeah. positive things happening, possibly pretty quickly because it is Aries, very cardinal, um, and we'll, we'll see that. And then that same day, Mercury will also move into Pisces. So communication and connections may be a little bit slower and a little bit more mm -hmm. confusing schedule mishaps, things like that. Just make sure you're double checking your data when it comes to this. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, we are getting real close to March and there's big energy in March. So we're going to have a lot more to chat about yeah. in the coming, um, 
coming weeks. And next week is our bookend episode, which I'm excited to chat about yes. for sure this time. Um, that's going to be super fun. We have a lot of really exciting things coming up too. So really stoked on that. Have some fun guests mm-hmm. um, coming on the show as well that we are excited to chat about. So thank you for being here. Um, again, if you want to join the Patreon, we would love to have you in there. It's just the Alchemist Inkwell Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, the link is in the show notes or on, in the description if you're looking on YouTube. And we appreciate you being here. If you guys haven't ever seen us on YouTube, we now have like better backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> we both up leveled this year. Which we're both like really proud of. So if you want to go check this out, we would love it. <laughs> but it's okay. Either way. Yeah. Um, anyway, we really, really appreciate you. If you have any questions for us, anything you'd like us to address in the podcast, if you want to vote on podcast topics, that's all in the Patreon. Um, or you can just comment under the YouTube and we will see where we go from there. But thank you all for being here. And we hope that you take this kind of lull in the energy and that you go make, go some, make magic. some magic. Oh, that was a great one. I decided. I'm just going to go with it. Okay, we're good. Have a great week, guys. Bye.